Okay, ready? Hey, Cammy. Hey, Gus. Welcome to the Ceramics Podcast, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Um, okay, we're back in quarantine. I'm still in my bedroom. How's it going over there? It's okay. <laughs> feeling, feeling, still feeling cooped up, <laughs> but uh, figuring out good stuff to do. Like um, what? Been, I've been drawing a little bit, just really slowly, like trying to not, I'm trying to take this time to uh, like just take a bit of a break from trying to do so much art, but I am, I'm drawing a little bit, which is really fun. Um, I really, some pencils. Have you drawn anything in the last, have you picked up a pencil in the last 24 hours? No, <laughs> uh, no that's not true. I, I <laughs> Um, I drew a really quick sketch of a lamp. Um, oh, okay, okay. That, that I want to make when we're when we're back in the studio. Um, but yeah, no, essentially, I haven't. I kind of I drew a bunch like the first two days or three days, and then it's dropped off pretty hard. Okay, so you're so, but you're still saying you're drawing, even though you may or may not be drawing. Well, yeah, but it's like when. Like I was drawing, there are drawings in progress. And then, okay, what's, what are you drawing? Trying to just like work through some small ideas uh, on like an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper with colored pencils because it's a lot quicker. But I keep getting like super, super sucked in. Like I realize how nice the colored pencil looks when you just like press super hard and it's like solid, solid opaque color. And now I want the whole thing to do that, but it takes like a whole colored pencil to do a, like a one anywhere. Two questions. What kind of colored pencils do you use? Is there like a brand that you love? Well, um, all through grad school, I used Crayola colored oh, pencils. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, one of our friends and uh, Co-workers at Brooklyn Clay recommended that I buy some like halfway decent ones. So I bought some Pantone. No, not what did I buy? Prismacolor. Prismacolor. I bought some Prismacolor. I bought like a like a set of like twenty of theirs or something like that. Are they that much better than the Crayola ones? Yeah, they're better. Oh dang! Yeah. I have a yeah. bunch. Of you can kind of blend them together, but I don't think. Um, I think for what I'm doing, I probably would be fine with the Crayola colored pencils. <laughs> but I did, I bought some like heavier duty paper with a little bit of tooth to it. Uh -huh. And that's pretty nice. Cause I think I'd always just use like really crummy, like printer paper and Crayola pencils. Yeah. And then I, it, which is fine for like plotting stuff out, but it was hard to ever make it look decent. So um, now you're using like the bouge version. Mm hmm Okay. Okay. Yeah, bougie. And it, but you feel like it's worth it in the end. I think so. I keep smudging it though, and I also I drew Ooh. way too hard. I got these really really soft. Our last guest or two last guest Keith Simpson is here. Yeah. Our last. Guest. He recommended these like really sweet Mitsubishi pencils. So I bought some of those, and then later I bought some other Mitsubishi pencils that have super, super soft lead on them, which I thought would be, like, great for drawing. So I, like, did all these drawings with them. But I can't 
get the graphite out of my colored pencil drawings now because uh, it was too. So yeah. I'm learning. I'm learning. <laughs> um, my next question is, uh, what do you use for source material? Do you just like Google um, mallard duck? I uh, I do a couple things. So I um, I look a lot of stuff up on on Google, and sometimes I project stuff and trace it and sometimes i like for these drawings if i want to trace something i just like hold the paper on my computer and then just like outline so if i'm gonna draw like oh. a really special, i'll just outline it that is a pro uh, tip uh -huh. That's really funny. <laughs> and then i do a lot you know a lot of my work's just sort of like straight lines and things like that so i do a lot with like little rulers and those like you know the rulers that I, it's like a right angle and a 45 and then like a 60 a 30 and a 45 or yeah. a 90 um, and uh so i have those like scattered around and i'll like use those a lot to just like plot things out but i also i screenshot a ton of stuff on my phone when i'm just like scrolling through uh like instagram or especially like i go i'll just go on like weird design websites a lot and just like look at images of tables and things like that and then i save a lot of stuff on instagram so like oh um, yeah because and it's usually like really small stuff if i open my instagram there's just a picture of pizza oh cool um it's just not like uh like so there's a section in my thing just called paint this how are you doing i basically been like coming to the studio mostly every day that I can and just um, I haven't been really getting a lot of work done like real pieces but I've been sort of building up to pieces like I decided I wanted to make these really big pots so I tried throwing 20 pounds of clay and so every day I come in and try to throw 20 pounds of clay so I like come in like I'll throw it and I'll it'll collapse and then I'll let it dry out, re-wedge it, and then two pounds will be off of it from throwing it. So it's like every day is two pounds less. So what are you going to throw? I'm just like, trying to make these like big... You throw bathtubs? <laughs> yeah, right? I just was like, oh, I'm going to make these really big pieces. And then really 20 pounds doesn't really get you that much. It's only like 18 or 19 inches. So it's like... I don't feel like that's spectacular about it. But, um, you know, it's really, like, humiliating when they fall. But it's not about really making anything this time of mine in the studio. It's not about, like, creating. It's more, like, staving off loneliness. Yeah. Yeah. And depression. So yeah. in, that case, in that sense, I'm getting a lot of that done. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's funny. I feel like... A lot of like I've seen it just through social media. People's attitude change about like like early on during this time. Everyone was like, like I'm gonna get this and this and this, and I'm gonna learn French and like I'm gonna. And now it's like I feel like everybody's settling in a little bit more, and it's like okay, I'm just gonna <laughs> not kill the people I'm sharing my apartment with, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, like I didn't really go into quarantine being like, I'm going to wake up every day and slay. Like, yeah. 
but um, I did go into the studio with like a very small goal. Yeah, of that's good. Pounds. That's a good, I mean, I feel like that's a good thing. And now you're down to what, like seven and a half pounds? <laughs> yeah, it's a little, that's a little more. I'm up to 10. But you know, it's not about the number so much yeah. the quality. And, yeah. and how heavy does it feel, you know, when it's actually thrown? And, and I'm going to be honest with you, it feels really heavy. Yeah. Still, well, so. Yeah. Even after I've, I trimmed it, I'm like, still, it feels really heavy. You and I have been doing all these, like, virtual studio visits together. Yeah. With, um, like, other artists for Brooklyn Clay, which has been, it's funny how, like, important that has become to me. Like, early on, I, would, I didn't really want to do them. Um, but, yeah, like, I I've really grown to value that. I reach out to old friends or, like, people I don't know whose work I like. and Totally. I think we got, we got to see a lot of people's perspective on, you know, being quarantined and also, you know, get to see, get to know a lot of people's work that just really – a lot of it's really unexpected. Yeah. I'm having a lot of fun doing it too. And yeah. also a lot of studio envy. Like people in New York have really yeah. small studios. It's also, it's been so funny. Like uh, this whole like Zoom thing is getting like so, like the first week everyone was so good about it. And I was like, I was sitting at my kitchen table, like really proper. And now, like, Cammie and I are chatting, and I'm just, like, laying on my side in my bed as if I'm, like, a model that's about to be painted. <laughs> like, it gets so weird. <laughs> I was on a Zoom call for a class. I'm taking a class, and they, I went on my Zoom class, and I was in bed, like, literally, <laughs> like, and I didn't give a fuck. I was like, fuck, like, I'm not, we didn't have to do this. Um, okay, so our guest today is Julia Elsis. And there's something that happens in the um, interview that's really weird, is she makes musical instruments, which are super beautiful, but uh, I try to blow on the flute and make a sound and nothing happens. So then she, she's like, so she's like, well, let me have it. Are you sick? And I'm like, no, not even a little bit. And then she does it and it works out. And then you're like, well, I'll try it. And she's like, are you sick? And you're like, no, I'm not sick. And so it was like, it's a very strange moment because we recorded it in like late January, early February when yeah. nobody was afraid of. Like we were just together. asking each other if we had a cold. Yeah, it was like so bananas when I heard it again. I was like, this would never, like, I don't ever, I'm not even sure, Gus, that I want to be in the same room with you ever again after, even yeah. when quarantine's over. I know, I know. I'm already going to put a little addition onto our recording studio, and I'll just have a ladder out front so you can be out the window recording, <laughs> and I'll get a green couch. Okay, cool. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, yeah, so we got Julia today. She's She's fun. She makes really great work. Like, everyone should go look up her work at Julia Elsis, but also look up Sonic Mud, which are the events that she puts on. Um, really great. We, I first met her because I was firing stuff at her studio a couple of years ago. 
um, in Gowanus and she's been in New York for a really long time. She's just like such a good New York character. And you two had like knew who each other were just by seeing each other at a thrift store. Just New York is so weird. Another thing that she talks about in the, inter- in the interview is slowing down. And yeah. so the quarantine time really has like forced everyone to slow down. And so this is like a really fitting interview for this time. Yeah. Okay. Should we go to the interview? Yeah. Here she is, Julia Elsas. Do you listen to podcasts? I do. Anything good? You're like, no, they're all bad. (laughs) Um, I liked the Dolly Parton's America. Oh, I heard about that. that. Not yet. It's great. Do you like, what's the one that you like? Rewind Play? Is that what it's called? Reply All. Reply All, yeah. Rewind Play. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. That's like my dad when he asked me about going to Chipotle. And he's trying to talk about Chipotle. <laughs> <laughs> what does he call it? Chipotle. Oh. Or Chipotle. That's yeah. pretty cool. Hey, look, I can. <laughs> can you, back. Are you good? Are you, yeah. Okay. Are you good? So, um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Um, we're so happy to have you. Um, we have a bunch of questions for you. I did text her. I texted her too. Oh, good. This morning. Oh, yeah. good. So you had plenty of time to prepare. prepare. <laughs> you had about an hour. I have, I have one good answer, yeah, to one of the questions. Uh, oh, I mean, it's not a good answer. It's just an answer. Yeah, I had to verify some information. Nice. Okay. Okay, we'll start with this one. Um, is there anything about ceramics that you don't know that you're now too afraid to ask? Oh, yeah. Like mine... Uh, for a long time, mine was how to brick a door up, which I didn't know how to do, and I just pretended like I knew how to do it. Um, so did you just fake it? Yes, until my friend Lydia saw me doing it and told me to stop. How do you do it? Well, you have to put the soldier rows in, so you have to like turn the bricks every like five layers, yeah. or else the door <laughs> will just fall over. over. <laughs> oh, when yeah. they're red hot, they'll yeah. just like collapse. Oh, cool. Yeah, uh, that was a big one. That's probably my biggest one. That's your biggest one lately? Yeah, but that's been a little bit. I'm sure that there's some stuff, but since we don't, it's all like electric kilns these days for me. Um, I like to ask smaller questions to get to... To get around to it? To get to the bigger question, which I'm embarrassed to ask, which is like, you know, like, um, what is clay? I didn't... (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) The bigger, biggest question. Why am I alive? Keith Simpson recently taught me how to read the Stoll chart, which I did not understand. And we talked about it all the time in grad school. And I just pretended like I knew what was. I have no idea what you're talking about. Same. (laughs) I had to um, teach the wheel, and I'd never thrown on it before. Wait, what? How'd that go? It went really well. Seriously? Yeah. I had like four or five weeks to practice. That's... And I like jammed it out, learned how to center, just went for it. Wow. And how wow. was how did it go teaching it? It went really well because it was so fresh for me and like 
I, you know, the problem is the clay was super, super, super groggy at the school. So I had to like like welts all on the side. Were your students like, this hurts? And you're like, keep going. (laughs) (laughs) No pain, no gain. Yeah. Art's hard. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, what? So what do you have? What's, what are you afraid to ask? Is there something? No, because I just text Gus. I'm just See. like, uh, can I pull out these plugs? Like, yeah, I, want, I, was, I want the yeah. kiln to I cool faster. I feel like faster. when we, yeah, when you first got your kiln, we gave you like some good guidelines for how to appropriately fire your kiln. But you can also just like pretty much open that thing whenever if you're not that worried about it. Yeah, I'm doing a lot of stuff that doesn't have glaze on it. So yeah. I feel like, and it's not. Uh, functional in the sense that you're going to eat or it's not you don't need to eat from it or drink yeah. from it so I could probably open the kiln sooner yeah. than the recommended but I didn't I waited nice can I ask you a question are you so happy that you got your own kiln I am How, what it was, was it like let's do changer. before and after scenarios of the kiln because um, one of the things that we like keep kind of going back to is just how much it sucks to do ceramics in new york city like how many obstacles there are just like there's no clay supplier in the city um you have to go to new jersey like renting a kiln is really expensive and usually involves like schlepping bone dry work around Mm -hmm. and things like that um yes i i was at the point where (laughs) I needed more space than a communal studio offered. And also I was starting these really big projects that I needed to use the kiln on my own terms in a way, or just more sure. frequently. Yeah. Um, Were you like going up to the text like, um... Well, cause, yeah. Wait, what studio were you working out of? Um, well, my first... I think maybe my first ceramic class in New York was at Greenwich House, and then I went to Third Avenue Clay. Oh right! And then I don't even know what Third yeah. Avenue Clay is. Are they still there? They are. It's right. It's close to my current home, and so I walk past it. But I, it, it doesn't have windows, so I don't know. I'm assuming there's <laughs> you don't like walk in there, there ever just to see what's yeah. going on. What's well, the door's always locked, and oh, there's like weird. a big gate. But I mean, it's. I've never even heard of it. It's a cool. Yeah. It's very small. I keep nice. forgetting about yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. And that's I actually like learned how to load kilns there because there wasn't a technician and it was just yeah. kind of um, very mellow environment and so yeah. I and like loading a kiln's actually really easy. So you just yeah. and I don't really have fear about I mean I I feel I rarely break things i'm very careful but i also i think that if you work in a medium that's inherently going it like can break yeah you need to be okay with it yeah it's true and so i i and i'm a teacher and so that it's like a part of talking to students about work and process and yeah so, so i've always i actually feel really comfortable loading other people's work it's really fun i like hate it it's so stressful for me but do you do you follow the do easy strategy when you're loading kiln do you follow that for everything in life no but i'm trying to yeah what's that 
the DE method. What? It's the this is the best thing that Julia has taught me, I think. Is the D and I'm not good at doing it, but I try to. Every now and again I watch the video. Is it the Gus Van Sant and Burroughs? Is that Yeah, you yeah, sent me the video. The a video of like doing easy. So like if you trip over a table, if you drop something, you need to stop step back and like walk around the table in the right way and like be really mindful of all your movements so if you oh. drop something you know go back reverse pick it up so when um times i think it's really easy in new york to be like oh my god hustle hustle totally distracted do things too fast break things open the kiln too soon mm. but it's like you just kind of slow it down. And if you're really efficient about your movements, it's like this choreography, you can actually, it might seem slower, but you can do things in a more efficient manner. Yeah, I need to bring it to my studio because my- Why isn't anyone, everyone talking about this all the time? That's, it's, it's you're just important. not talking to Julia enough is the, okay. is the answer. Really, we'll start, we should be have it. A, a, text ship text <laughs> friendship and i can send you okay perfect um i think it's important to slow down here and yeah. i think um having my own kiln has allowed me to like speed up in some ways but also giving my work more time like i feel like in a communal studio i might just rush things to get it through right the line is your um is your Gowana studio the first like studio you've had outside of your apartment? Yes. Cool. It's in Sunset Park. Or Sunset yeah. Park, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. It is. I um my first apartment in New York I got so I could work at home. And I'm trained as a printmaker and I work more I do work 2D, 3D without ceramic. And then I took a break from printmaking and started taking ceramic classes. So it was Greenwich House, Third Avenue, and then I think back to Greenwich House. And then Brooklyn Clay opened up on Fifth Avenue, right. and I was there. And then I was there when it switched to Gasworks. And then at that point, I, um, I just felt like I needed more space than a shelf. Right. Um, and, yeah, it's hard to make yeah. work when it, you like have to pack everything into... I tiny, like just to keep things actually moving because I sort of always need to like have something like I always need to have something like wet that I'm working on so that when I finish whatever I'm glazing there's like something else coming mm -hmm. through the pipeline so I can like actually keep in that rhythm I think there's huge pluses to communal studios yeah. like the shared labor the knowledge like I don't have I didn't go to school for ceramics right. and so I don't have so yes like I feel like clay and about making things in clay and ceramic it's just like a bottomless pit of information that I, mean, I don't have but I'm totally know, okay with I mean, that I know a lot of people that went to school for ceramics that don't know anything including myself well I mean I'm I, in a way it's like kind of nice just having my own space and not getting unsolicited advice about how to do things better and just like figuring it out on my own there's things that I wish I had more knowledge of but yeah that's what uh, texting you is for. Yeah, and I, I like it. Yeah, it's fun for me. <laughs> or like <laughs> books or YouTube or, yeah. you know. Well, there, yeah, there's something funny about like the number of people that are making 
ceramic work that don't have a background in it because I think that there's like so many of us like I learned you know like how to throw on the wheel and it's like you like go through these things and you like learn about these specific artists and then when I worked for that guy Chris Wolston like really often I'd be like no Chris you can't do that and he'd just be like oh why like why not but I am doing yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> but I'm, but I'm just gonna me do it, it and yeah and I, and I was like but n- n- no um, yeah, there's and so that's many what, rules, right? Yeah, and you do a lot. Like you were making that, like the thing that you spin that has the beads inside. And I remember seeing you, and you're like, "Yeah, I just put nails inside." It. Yeah, and like it worked, it, right? It sounds really good. I almost brought it, but it's a little fragile. But it's like a globe. It's a rain machine. It's based off of yeah, just like a rain machine, but it's a hollow orb with finishing nails in it and ceramic finishing nails are poked into it so the head of the nail is coming out and the body of the nail is hitting like a hundred little ceramic balls and so the sound is never um it's always going to vary it's not like the same click 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 right but something i didn't know was going to happen was that the nails were you know, gonna deteriorate at some point. <laughs> but it's, so there's also like metal inside kind of clinking around. So it makes this really beautiful, like twinkling noise. Is it changing? Like each time you use it, do you think? The more the, it probably, the metal and falls it apart. It flakes. And, yeah. But it's this really beautiful sound and it's really hard to mic. Yeah. Um, at some point, I want to make one that's easier to mic or. I made it so there's two cranks, and I think if I just make it with one crank, that you can put a mic up just on one side, like a contact mic or something to connect. It would be great to pick up that sound. In a concert situation, in a like professional recording studio, you could like really mic it and pick up the sound. So what, what was it like, so you started taking classes, and then what was it like your first, I wanna know like the feeling of your first working instrument that you were like, oh. Yeah, I think that Oprah make, calls it an aha moment. Uh, My aha moment? Were you making pots when you started with it? Or like, did you start working with clay because you wanted to make the instruments? I um, started working with clay to take a break from the printmaking chemistry because oh. um, I was getting a lot of migraines. And I was getting kind of sick. Okay. And so... I've always made things my whole life, and so I needed to keep doing something yeah. and decided, oh, I'll just take a ceramic class. I did do ceramics in graduate school a little bit. Okay. So where did you go to school? I went to UC Davis, oh. and they have a big ceramic program. Yeah. I did a <laughs> it's little. Kind of big it's kind of a kind thing. Of a big thing. <laughs> I did a, a f- something with Annabeth Rosen. That's awesome. She's, she's amazing. I kind of bit off more than I could chew that semester, so it was like a, I was a little bit of a ceramic dropout in grad school. I didn't, I didn't have the time to put in it because I was like doing my master's and running the visiting artist program. And so I think that that's probably one of my biggest regrets is that I didn't really take advantage of learning with Annabeth as much. I had no idea that I'd get more into ceramics later, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, but I... I mean, your life coach would say that's a success. Oh, yeah? Thank you. I mean, as your new life coach, I would say that's a success. I know. Yeah, sure. 
it was it was positive crossing over you know she's a really interesting um animal so i feel Mm -hmm. lucky to have crossed over with her um so i started working in clay and i i don't even know what i was making i was just like experimenting yeah making things for my family and i met um kenny wallison a percussionist and I went to a few of his shows and he, we were talking about art and I told him I had just started making, just started taking some ceramic classes and he told me he had always wanted an Udu drum, which is a like Nigerian, um, traditionally like a Nigerian um, vessel that's like used to make sound, like a hollow vessel with like two holes. So he commissioned yeah an udu drum for me and so that's really how it started how long ago was that um it was like 2013 okay yeah yeah so i made a few iterations i have some of the earliest ones right now at home they're pretty bad i mean they're (laughs) they don't work you know i just didn't know what i was doing and i'm um as objects are kind of some are more interesting than others objects but they don't have the the holes weren't right and they don't have like the resonance they're more like sculptures yeah um and then i finally made one for him that was like the one that he bought for me and i used to have a monthly like salon series in my apartment called spring on and anyone could come and you had five minutes max to do anything like oh i love that so it could be like I have a friend who's a neuroscientist and he would talk about his research for five minutes and someone would read poetry or we'd watch like a film and um, Kenny played the Udu drum one night. So he was, he drove back from Lake George, went from Lake George to Gowanus and did this amazing (laughs) like Udu drum performance. And we, oh, and there are these two, um, Dolly Snowjo and uh, this guy, Sean, while Kenny was playing the Udu drum, they did this hug drum, which is the most beautiful sound I've ever heard in my life. A hug drum? So they held each other and they I beat can't. each other's backs in like, <laughs> oh my God. Sean has like the most beautiful, incredible, loudest voice ever. It was just, you could feel it in your whole body. They were singing this. and Kenny was playing the drum. And this is some weird shit. This it was is amazing. <laughs> it was so amazing. It was like a really fun night. And some of his another friend of his came over with like an instrument builder came over it was just like it was a wonderful night wild night and then the next day I got a text from Kenny thank you so much this is so great I have really good news and really bad news which one do you want to hear first and I was like yeah, I don't even know what I said. And he said, well, the bad news is the drum broke. The good news is it sounded amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just like when they when they left and it was just like a gaggle of people and it was late and he handed, the drum was in a box to someone he handed to them and they didn't realize the box wasn't closed. And so they like, it like flew, the drum oh. flew out of the box and shattered on 4th oh. Avenue. Did he fix it? He seems like he would repair it. He Knowing just Kenny's kept a little a few bit that I okay, it, um, yeah, that I have now. I have I have them now. Aww. But um, but since then, then I got really into making. Like I made him another one, and that the yeah. one that I made him is the one that we use pretty regularly in all the performances. Because okay. that with the first one, there's still some like ergonomic stuff to figure out, 
and I don't think it had a mic hole in it at that point. But anyway, oh, so the oh, a mic hole. So right. now you can. Do you have to record? Yeah. Yeah. The funny thing that you like have to plan for for your audience. Yeah. Right. So. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah. So and then since then that's kind of evolved. So that's how the instruments started. Yeah. Um and yeah, I've made some a range of percussion instruments and then I've been the last year or so I've been working with uh wind instruments and that's really hard for me. I think partially because I'm not I don't exactly know how to play them, but there's very specific cuts you need to make to break the air. And so um that's true. I needed the right tools for it. And Kenny made me these really nice bamboo tools that are really sharp and tapered. And so once I got those tools, then I, I can finally make the whistles. I, I brought one here. Yeah. There's, um, if you want to play it. Yeah. So this looks like porcelain with blue velvet underglaze. No. What is the blue? Nailed it. Oh, do you hear that? <laughs> Suck it. Uh, Porcelain with blue okay. underglaze. So it looks like kind of an egg. Play it with force and put your fingers on the holes. I'll do it. Can I do it? Yeah, you better do it. Are you sick? Not, you not even a little bit. Okay. Oh. Oh, yeah, that sounds pretty great. Yeah. Right? So... I'm not sick either. Okay. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. But if, if you put your fingers on the holes and then just modulate the sound with your... Oh. How can you not play this? Let's see. I'm going to have a second try. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There we oh, go. Oh, there it is. Yeah. You got this. You play hot cross buns. <laughs> right. You're hired. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. I'll be... I'll be on this podcast for the next half an hour. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if this will show up or not. I think the other one will. This one? It's like a little bit sharper. So that one is... Um, oh. That one's just bisque fired. It's really nice. So what, so what happens during a, like, during a performance of yours? Um... Well, there's usually two to seven or eight musicians, mm -hmm. and um, I work with uh, professional kind of people who play music uh, all over New York and around. So I, um, I am really lucky that way is that they can make beautiful music and so um, I have made some horns and like kind of like trumpets um, yeah how are those going those those are going well yeah <laughs> yeah those I think the last time I came to your studio you had like one there but you hadn't played it yet I think I have maybe four or five um, and I started making um, mutes like for brass like oh, right. uh, ceramic mutes um, so I have there's some brass players that um, have 
performed with Sonic Mud a few times. So they they actually gave me the idea to play around with mutes because um, um, you can really modulate the sound. Um, so the mutes I've made on the wheel, I took a class at Brooklyn Clay to have wheel access. I don't oh. have a wheel in my studio. And okay. so I made kind of a series of mutes. Um, but the performances, um, it's all improv, you know. It's just, you just kind of go with the flow. Um, and on April 7th, I have a solo show opening at Cooler Gallery. Oh, sweet. And so we're going to have a really big, like, blowout performance that night. Cool. Or what are you, are you showing the instruments at Cooler, or what's the... I'm doing, um, I'm making a chime choir. So I'm filling the cooler with, like, maybe 2,000 or less, like, uh, porcelain chimes. That seems like a big number. Is it a big number? That's... Well... I, I think I'm halfway through. I brought some okay. to play for you. Awesome. Yeah. Um, but I wanted it to be like a, an environment that you walk into and anyone can play them. And so, but you can't play them with your hands. You have to play them with uh, the fe feather mallets. So there's mallets made of feathers. <laughs> because it's like DE, you've got to slow down. And I think the instinct to play a chime is just to go like zoop yeah. to make it make this really fast yeah. sound. And yeah, it's like, like punch it aggressively. Yeah, and so it's like you got to slow down. So next week or the week after, we're gonna record the chimes at a recording studio in Prospect Heights, and then we're gonna do this kind of like looping sound in the space with chimes that then people can play over. So it's like an environment that you walk into that you can play and hear. Nice. That sounds amazing. Wait, originally the Sonic Mud was just going to be like an event right and then it just kept going or did you always have plans for it to continue on in some way um sonic mud it has come to my attention that it's a band oh, oh. this is I what this podcast you? is for this these is big yeah reveals oh, this yeah. is like a deep dive so how i have a band okay. whoa like how did someone like say like I want to have your band play or what how did it come to this how did we get here how did we get here well um Kenny and I have actually done a few performances together prior to the name Sonic Mud so um we um did a performance at Ortega Gasset um they had a show um, called Love Child about like artists, collaborators who are in a relationship. <laughs> and so we good. did it. <laughs> Finally, she said it. <laughs> and we um, did a performance together there with the Udu drums and chimes and stuff. Um, and we didn't, it didn't have a name. It wasn't like Sonic Mud. And then um, we did something at the Drawing Center. I forget what year. Um, John Zorn curated something called the basement, or is a part of the basement performances at the Drawing Center. So a few years ago, it was like every weekend or once a month or something different artists. He invited different artists to come up with something. So he invited Kenny, and then we did a performance there with some other friends of mine and ceramic instruments. Um, and then the first like Sonic Mud, Sonic Mud named thing was um, during the Brooklyn Clay tour a few years ago. Um, 
when the new iteration of the studio Brooklyn Clay was under construction and opening, um, we put together a performance there. And it was multiple ceramic artists from Brooklyn and multiple musicians. And some of the musicians, like uh, Sierra Baptista, brought um, some of his own percussion instruments from his collection, and Doug Weaselman um, brought some wind instruments from his collection. Oh, and this guy, Rich Stein, has been making this interesting drum called the Hydra that he's been collaborating with um, this guy, Walter Heath, and Pennsylvania and it's this crazy drum that is like you can kind of take it apart and put it back together and amplify it and one there's like a skin on it and sh there's it's amazing so yeah I love that funny piece that Britt Mosley brought to the teapot that was a mixer synthesizer, synthesizer. Yeah. He's, funny. he's so funny yeah yeah so it was a really nice like it was fun it was like a lot of different artists um, a lot of different performers and then and then it's kind of like evolved or maybe it's like selfishly it's just become mostly my instruments <laughs> but, <laughs> like, but I mean I think we'll do other things where we invite other people but it's become a little more focused right. of like I'm making specific instruments for performances yeah so they're more directed towards yeah like do you love music so much? I do love music. Like, what do you like? What, what do you listen to? What's um, your favorite radio show? <laughs> my favorite radio show. I love uh, WFMU. Oh, yeah, I see that and um, DJ Trouble, This is the Modern World. I learn about so many different musicians from her show. Do you listen to it? No. Thursday mornings, 9 to 12. Okay. Um, I also like um, sophisticated boom boom Sheila B. Um, what's great? Is I, that I like love this. This is I'm like yeah. writing it down. Well, I have it. Sinners Crossroads. <laughs> yeah, there's so many. WFMU is great, and in my studio, um, sometimes I notice I'm not really paying attention to the like I go through like deep podcast phases, and then I realize I'm not really paying attention, or I just need to yeah. space out and listen to music. Yeah. And I love that about um, WFMU is that then you can check back on the playlist and like right. hear more of They're the really artists. Good at that. Yeah. Like you can be like, it's you like happen to be somewhere at four in the morning listening to FMU and you hear one song and then four days later you're like, what was that song? Like, and then you can go back you can and just see look the whole it thing. up. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, embarrassed Julia in front of her favorite DJ. Yeah, I think maybe you just embarrassed yourself. Okay. Wow, what happened? <laughs> oh, I, I wasn't her. embarrassed. Okay, I was good. like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I'm sorry, I don't know him that well. Oh, <laughs> poor Gus. Yeah. Um, just trying to be part of the conversation. <laughs> DJ Trouble came to one of my open studios, and we we were so excited. Kenny is like a huge fan. He's been listening to her forever, and so. Um. I knew it was her because she walked in with like a gold necklace that said trouble on it. I and I was like, that is DJ trouble. I was trying to give like Kenny the side eye, but he was busy like reading something. And I was kind of talking to someone in an open studio. But anyway, we ended up chatting. It was really great. And then, I mean, was it random or? We had, well, actually, it's so funny. I um, 
teach at Montclair State University. I teach printmaking there and I play music in my class sometimes. And sometimes I just play different WFMU shows. And she always has this like bird interlude um, before the DJ speaks. So like these French bird calls. And I was like helping my students on a printing press. I noticed one of my students was like kind of walking all around the print shop, looking all around. And I ignored him. And then I, because I was really busy, and then I realized he was by my computer and looking all around. He was like, there's a bird in here. That's awesome. And How long was, does the bird call go on for? Like a while? Well, it's whenever, or like it comes and it goes. Just comes and goes. Okay. Before it's kind of like lets the listener know that the DJ is about to speak. Anyway, and then coincidentally, I noticed someone named Giant Pom Pom had around that time started following me on Instagram, and then I realized it was DJ Trouble. So I had to wow. tell her the story, and then we became you know, Instagram chatters. And then she came to my open studio. That's amazing. I yeah. love New York. And then I got all excited because I really like WFUV. Oh, yeah. Which is the competition. <laughs> the garbage Which is what I said to her was that I love WFUV. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wasn't embarrassed. But okay, good. It was really funny. Mm-hmm. I think I might have just walked away. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, here we go with this asshole. Yeah. Like he just helps with the kiln sometimes. That's as far as we go. So, <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> So are you like, do you, are you obsessed with sound or like, how do you get, how do you know when your sound is the sound that you want the sound to be? What was that question? That was a good question. (laughs) You know, um, I, I'm not very scientific and I, I do lean on, um, Kenny's sonic, um, experience, you know, like, the thing with clay, except with the whistles, the aerophones, a lot of them you can play while it's still wet. Right. But the other thing is like you're not gonna know until it's bisque fired. So right. um, there have been a lot of happy accidents. And then what happens to the the monsters that don't perform? <laughs> um, I'm trying to figure that out if you want any. Like, Do you just have a pile second. of ones that don't quite work. <laughs> No, I mean, percussion, a lot of things can be percussion. You yeah. Know? So. You're like, you were a flute and now you are drumsticks. Yeah. <laughs> now you're a vase with holes. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Garden sculpture, anyone? Uh-huh. You could almost, if you add a couple more holes, you could probably make them into menorahs. You were making menorahs for a while, right? I still make menorahs. Yeah. Yeah. I have like you know side gig making menorahs. Oh, yeah. cool! Yeah, they're very similar to the um, flutes that we're looking at. That's so rad. Yeah, uh, it seems like you like every time I talk to you, you've got like a new. Or it always seems like there's like a residency that you're doing, or like a fellowship or something. Are you just always applying to stuff? Um, I go through phases, and okay. I took a pretty big break, and okay. then. Um, last year I had a fellowship and that was around the time that I decided to get the kiln which was perfect because you got like some money for that fellowship so then it just was like perfect timing Um, 
and I did a big in- instrument project for that fellowship, um, a, pub- a performance. Um, and currently, I'm a key holder resident at the Lower East Side Print Shop. Okay. In the project I'm working on that you'll see on April 7th, you'll see some of them as I'm, I'm working on a series of graphic um, scores to go with instruments. So, oh, um, that's gonna be so cool. So I've made one a woodblock print with the for the clay rimba. <laughs> um, so that one's done, and I'm tomorrow. I'm gonna. Um, the nice thing about the fellowship is that you get or the residency, you get some time with their kind of master printers. So tomorrow I'm gonna do some screen printing. I played around with making some chime notations cool. for the show at Cooler Gallery. Cool. Uh, I did a residency there too. Like oh, a, you did? A long time ago. Oh, what did you make? So, if we crossed over. Yeah, it was years ago, but I made a, the master printers. They're, they know they're so everything. Nice. Yeah, and they're so sweet. And they just are like, what do you want to do? You know what I mean? And they're, you know, you tell them and they're like, okay, let's get like, we can get there this way, this way, this way. And yeah. you're just like, oh, wow. You know, it's so, f- when, it's so fun to work with people who like know exactly what how to do. do yeah. How to yeah. do it. And they'll like, yeah. can do it um, to, to like the perfection that's beyond. Yeah. That's the thing is I teach printmaking and like I'm super trained in it, but I feel like I'm like the Swedish chef of the Muppets when I'm printing. <laughs> okay. Like I just like, it, like to really addition something, make it super yeah. tight. I, um, you're a little I looser. Could, I'm a little loose, yeah. and I could I could totally do it, but it's so exciting to just work with someone who's like registration done. This this yeah, this huge done difference. makes a big difference. Yeah, I mean it would be the same for working with ceramics, like I, going to Kohler and working with yeah. mold makers. Totally. Yeah. Like you know how to do it, but then. Yeah, I know. Like, that's what I always told myself that if I really focused, I could make like a really good mold. Like if I just like really focused on it, I can I can do it. And this <laughs> this past week, I made such a terrible four part mold. Like I forgot to put a pour spout on it. Oh, I, geez, yeah. Like I really thought that uh. I just knew how to do it, but I just had never taken the time. Yeah. That, I mean, I have that too. I have that too, where yeah. I like think I'm better at it yeah. than I actually am. Yeah. And then I'm like in my studio, like, yeah, I'm just going to like make this sculpt, like make this wreath sculpture thing. Yeah. And then I'd like finish it and it just looks like garbage. And <laughs> I was like, I can't believe like I actually am a craftsman. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm like embarrassed by my own bad craftsmanship. Yeah. I've been doing ceramics for 25 years or whatever. It's fine. <laughs> but I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's great. It's it's that same thing. It goes back to DE. Like yeah. People who are so trained in it, like they have such an efficiency of movement, you know? So they just know where the spatula is, where this, where this, you know? And right. it's just like an extension of their body. Yeah. And it's, I'm excited to work with some people to make some prints. When you apply for things, are you like, do you just like find something you're like, I'm going to apply for this and then come up with the idea? Or do you see, like, how do you, because you've done a lot of, you've done a lot of different residencies and done a lot of different things. Um, we read your resume before you came I in. I hate it. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. 
Oh, it's wow. so funny oh, because wow. I feel like I should also have a resume of all the things I didn't get <laughs> because I feel like, yeah, I mean, I've been out of school for a long time and I took seven years between undergrad and grad. And so okay. I've been out of grad school for 10 years. So um, I usually don't have a project proposal. Um, and I couldn't, I mean, I've been teaching at the Lower East Side Print Shop for like four or so years, and I've applied to that residency like twice a year, probably for the last 10 years. So it's like, <laughs> See, you know, so I amazing. feel like, and then I just, I took a, you know, chunk of time. It's so, it's a, it's really tiring to do those things. And I took like a few years off or like a year cycle off. And then I couldn't believe, I really couldn't believe it when I, heard back from them wow so yeah it's so awesome. just like oh julia's application's here again I uh, we're like yeah. where's julia's application yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were gonna accept her this yeah. year i know i know so it's cool um i'm not usually a project proposal person but something about the instrument thing has helped me hone in on pri- i'm a more like organic worker right. in general but um yeah, it always feels like that. Like whenever I do come by your studio, it seems like there's just a lot of like play and moving materials around, mm-hmm. and like setting something on a thing that's on top of paper and like yeah yeah. Is that how you're making most of the stuff? Is just being in the space with the materials. Usually, yeah. right now I'm kind of hyper focused on the chime installation. Okay. So. Um. It's funny, this last chunk of time, because it was just like the holidays, and so I had, I'm not really a production worker, and I don't want to, I don't want to, like, make things and go to trade shows. Yeah. Because you also, yeah. Yeah, so, but I, but I do kind of amp, so I feel like the last few months, I have only been kind of cranking out things for orders or the holidays and now this chime installation which is cool but usually I'm more organic yeah that's I like love that you bring that up because a lot of ceramicists really go through that myself included like um about going back and forth between like sculptural work and functional work and selling stuff and like when like what pulls you in what direction mm-hmm. so because like and how do you like how do you get around that because you I mean, all, that, how do yeah. you like navigate that not get around it how do you navigate it because you um, also have your like i think you rebranded it but repress editions right yeah i changed it to my name i decided okay. to consolidate everything in my name yeah and then like so that's like the stuff that's you sell at like relationships like the hooks and things like that yeah okay yeah I, um, yeah, I have some great friends who are entrepreneurs or have their own businesses. And I've, the last few years, I've just, I, it's an evolving thing, like just figuring out my work and like what I want, like selling stuff. Um, it's great. I, relationships, my relationship with relationships has been really positive. Yeah. It's led to other things. I've gotten some things in some other shops, and um, but do I want to make wall hooks full time? Definitely not. Would and you ever so, just hire someone to make? Totally. Yeah. I actually um, invested in getting um, 
some of the shapes that were the most popular just like 3D printed so I can cookie cutter them. Oh, cool. Because I was just tracing them all by hand. And, right. and it's it makes sense for me just to like spend a week or something and bust out a ton of them and have them bisked and then I can glaze them for orders. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to be a little more strategic and efficient with my time that way. So I kind of do things in batches like that. Yeah. yeah do you know... Um, is it Brer Zipper Teen? Yeah. Be Zippy? Bari, yeah. Bari? I think uh, it's Bari. Yeah. Well, I knew the Be Zippy first, yeah. which was like the production stuff. But then she has like this amazing body of work that employs like a lot of the same moves as far as like building and mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. But it's like her own separate thing. And she's got this like great thing going with her like essentially design company and it's such a smart yeah, she's got, system she kind of has it all yeah I, I mean like on a bigger on a maxi scale yeah. where yeah. you know having stuff in a couple shops is like but also like there's something so rewarding about the fast cash of holiday money you know yeah. what I mean it's like you're all of a sudden you're like a couple grand so <laughs> yeah. you're like good like perfect just yeah, I don't mind it seasonally, but I think if it was, I know there's a big trade show this weekend, and right. yeah, um, at some point maybe I'll decide that's the direction I want to go in. But right now, that's not. So I feel um, much more excited to make one of a kind pieces, and like yeah, the Sonic Mud stuff, and I'm the yeah, I'm. I feel like there's all these like exciting possibility things happening and, yeah. and maybe at some point I yeah I could employ people and do both but I'm just not there yet and I'm at peace with that yeah I mean some part of me some part of me doesn't mind to be like you know quiet making cup you know what I mean making some things that like you can only find and like not be super accessible yeah mm -hmm. it's like seems a little bit more I mean there's a lot of ceramics out there so it's mm -hmm. like some part of me is like, do you need that? Yeah. Or do you like have to be this like? Yeah, I do. I kind of like that it's an option now, though, because I, do. Like, I love it. Back too. when Molly Hatch first started like doing that sort of production stuff, there was such a big pushback. And that was like, yeah, when people explained it to me, they were like, isn't this awful? Yeah. And yeah. That she's like having it produced. And then also making her own work. Isn't it awful that she's making money? Yeah. That she's like being really smart. Yeah. <laughs> that anthropology is like, give us more. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, anybody would be lucky to have one of your pieces. How about that? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, do you... I love trading. Oh, that's so good to know. Yeah. That just changed the direction of this conversation. Nice. You're just going to gear it. I'm just going to grab all the stuff off the table and run up. <laughs> I just need them for the performance. <laughs> After the 15th, you can grab them. So should we like do some jamming out on these instruments? Oh, yeah. We can try. Okay. What? This one's a you know pretty straightforward one to play. Oh, my God. That sounds beautiful. It's like a black tube with black porcelain chimes. 
it just yeah it's unglazed blue and black it's black porcelain with blue a little bit of blue porcelain there's shakers grab okay. a shaker Gus all right one two three <laughs> hit it <laughs> Will this be the intro music for the podcast? chimes at cooler gallery will be um, pretty long like 10 inches to maybe 25 inches if I can figure out how to fire the 25 inch ones vertically and so they make these really nice like microtonal sounds just like this slight shift um, so this is a smaller version that we heard so good cool thank you so much for being thanks here thanks for coming Julia thanks for having me um if I'm you want to see Julia's work, you can go to her website. You can go to Relationships and then go next door to Brooklyn Borough and get a really good burrito. Um. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I haven't been there. No, oh, we're really? like, they like, share a backyard. Oh, really? Yeah. Relationships is on Fulton Street yes. in Clinton Hill. Yes. 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 And we can't wait for your show at Cooler. <gasps> yeah. I can't wait to. Congratulations in advance. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Julia. Thanks for coming. And we're back. We're back. Uh, Gus, what did you think of that hot jam? It was so fun. (laughs) It's ridiculous. Yeah. My dad was a drummer. And I feel like the way that I've let him know the most is how terrible my rhythm is. Um, Sorry for everybody that was part of (laughs) <laughs> That's it, funny. Was, it was it was great talking to julia so uh, good um yeah you can see her work at juliaelsis.com and on instagram what's her instagram it's uh julia Elsis. and you should also look up her instagram which is sonic mud and there she shares all the stuff about the Sonic Mud events. Um, and then make sure to follow the Ceramics Podcast on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Um, we want to give a special thanks to Jen Waverick for uh, all the help she's given us through the Ceramics Podcast. Um, Jen's what Instagram. She, what? What kind of stuff has she done for us? Gus, her Instagram posts about the Ceramics Podcast are better than the Ceramics Podcast Instagram posts about the Ceramics Podcast. It, and also, they actually get put out the week that we release our episode. <laughs> the day of! Come on, man! Well, so thanks, Jen. You're the best. Thank you, Jen. Um, all right. Anything else? Do you want to... No.
when quarantine's over, Gus, actually, I really think we should meet up and get Archie's. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Yeah, and order Archie's. If you live in Bushwick, order Archie's pizza. Yeah, do it. They're the best. Okay, bye.